Last week we launched a series we've called Functional Faith. And it's an unapologetic ripoff title from the world of fitness, where the world of fitness has over the last decade shifted from working the beach muscles, the, the, the ab crunches, the, the bicep curls, to functional fitness, whereby the sort of training you might do in a gym or a CrossFit setting or out in the wild, um, the question that's, that's being asked is, how can I take this workout and, and, and do the workout in such a way that will help me apply that in everyday life when I'm lifting things, moving things, walking, talking, breathing, etc. And um, there's a real practical application to functional fitness. Well, we're, we're drawing the very same parallel to what we would learn here on a Sunday morning, what we would learn when we talk around the, the, the subject and continue the conversation in our Elevate groups, what we would uh, learn in, in Elevate Kids and Elevate Youth and talk around the dinner table or in the car with, with our kids. Not just knowledge for knowledge's sake, but, but how am I gonna apply what I'm learning? How am I gonna take what I'm reading in the Bible, in God's Word and, and apply it? Because it's only when we apply it that it works. It's only when we apply what we learn from God's Word that, that we will experience the promise that God had I- I intended in the first place. And so I asked the question last week, what's your objective of your faith? And that's the big idea. The big obje- objective of our faith should be that we take what we're learning, take what, what God's saying and, and applying that in real world settings, in our workplace, in our families, and, and not just on special occasions like the fine china, when you get sick, when, when, when you lose your job, when, when, you, when your relationships are, are struggling, but, but everyday application of God's Word, functional faith. And uh, we're gonna continue this series today. You can, if you open your Elevate app, we've got a nice surprise in there. You tap the Bible section, you, you will see the first, and, and I am happy to go on record as to say, quite likely the last time you'll see the King James Version appear before your very eyes in the Elevate app. And if you keep reading, you'll quickly understand why. It's not our go-to version. But I'm gonna talk around this book that's now called the Book of Hebrews that, that, that was written by an unknown author to the early Jewish followers of Jesus. Okay, essentially in the time there were, there, were, there were two broad groups of people, those who were Jewish, those who weren't, called the Gentiles in, in their day. And, and over time, some of the Jewish people had started recognising that Jesus was the one that they were waiting for and they started following Him. But, but it, it threw them off balance because to date, for, for generations, they'd been following God, they'd been approaching God based on sacrifices and, and rituals and, 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 and their methods of, of getting close to God were about what they were required to do, what was expected of them to do. And yet now they were having to shift gears, complete almost 180, whereby their approaching God was no longer about what they had to do. It was now all about what Jesus had done. And, and, and that was disorienting for them. And in their pursuit of this new approach to God, there was all sorts of challenges. You could say that their faith wasn't always functioning. 
And so the writer of Hebrews wrote to them and he wrote to them some instruction in their challenges, some encouragement in their challenges. And, 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 and in this chapter 11 that we're gonna drill into a bit this morning, you could almost say that he was writing some instruction to them to help them keep the faith, to help them work the faith, to help their faith become functional. And so verse one is, is, is the, the definition of faith that I referred to earlier. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed, underline that word, by the Word of God. So that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. If you've been alive for any length of time and particularly as you start trying adulting for the first time, you'll, you'll discover that adulting requires us to understand that, that often the way we say something is even more important than what we say. Have you ever found yourself trying to rescue an awkward situation with the phrase, but that's not what I meant. Only to have the person push back at you and say, yeah, but that's what you said. And the reason that little awkward moment comes up is almost always because you didn't frame what you said correctly. How we frame what we say is, is at least equally as important as what we say. Advertisers know this. They, they frame their message very, very, very carefully. They put a lot of time and effort into framing what they say, not just the content of what they say. M my favourite is actually in Martin commercials. Have you noticed that they've never put a bald person on an Ashley and Martin commercial to sell the package to you? <laughs> but it doesn't stop there. They put a white coat and, a, and, a, and an iPad, which is a modern day clipboard, because that's what medical professionals carry around. They, they put it, they get a paid actor, good looking, thick head of hair, to sell you, well, me, more and more. I'm definitely moving into their target market. Um, <laughs> um, I made fun of Becky and his dreadlocks the other weekend and you thought I was poking fun at him. It was just fueled by jealousy, that was all. Um, he's got hair to spare. Um, they put a white coat on an actor and, and we sit there in our lounge rooms and go, oh, awesome, that person must really know what they're talking about. They're, they're, they're a medical professional. No, they're not. But, but the market is framed the message so that we enhance, it enhances their credibility to the consumer. The writer of Hebrews said, by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible, made, were not made of things which are visible. How, how, many, how many times since you start adulting did you try to make something out of stuff that was invisible? I mean, when you're a kid, you do that. But and, and, and yet, this is exactly what the writer of Hebrews said that God did. He used invisible things. 
to create the world. Louis and I, I mentioned this last week, um, are in the process of, of buying and selling. Uh, it's early stages and, and so it's all up in the air at this stage, but uh, the, the, uh, we've got to we put our house on the market and uh, we have uh, a tiny house um, and we've put an offer on another house, which is actually smaller than the house we currently live in. So you might see us on channel 94, Nine Life, on tiny houses um, in the next few months, trying to find where to store everything. <laughs> the reason we're making this move is, is although the house is smaller, which I didn't necessarily think was even possible, um, it's got land. There's, it's a 520 square metre block. And so one of the first things that Farmer Mark intends to do is, uh, is uh, get me some chickens. Yeah. And... Uh, now, I, I'm going to get a chicken coop. Um, I'm not going to build a chicken coop. I'm going to go to my good friend, Mr. Bunning, and uh, purchase a chicken coop. But, you know, let's suppose 50 years ago, before Mr. Bunnings uh, came to my rescue, um, I wanted to build a chicken coop, a wooden chicken coop. The first thing that I would have to do, um, according to YouTube, is I would have to build a wooden frame. I would have to frame up things for my soon-to-be fully functional chicken coop. And the reality is that the effectiveness of the coop is almost entirely dependent on the frame. That if I build the frame wrong or choose the wrong raw materials to build the frame, that it will have downstream impact on the functionality of my chicken coop and obviously affect the quality of the eggs that I hope to enjoy. Well, when God was looking for something strong enough, some raw materials strong enough to, to build the world with, to frame the world with, the best raw material He knew of was His Word. And the great thing about that is that you and I, we get to imitate God if we choose to that you and I can, can frame our world with the same raw materials that God used to frame the world if we choose to, because we have access to God's Word and we can take the very same Word and apply it to our world and frame our world and build our world in the same way that God built the world framed upon His Word. You can take the same Word of God that God used to build the oceans to build your Tuesday afternoon. You can take the same Word of God that God used to build the continents to build your marriage. You can take the same Word of God that God used to frame the animals and, 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 and the wildlife to build your kids. If, if you choose to, if you choose to function that way. And so the writer of Hebrews gives us a few clues in how to frame things correctly. Now, I'm about to mix metaphors. If I hadn't said it, some of you wouldn't have noticed, but I know Debbie would have, so I figure I might have just, well, just come clean ahead of time. One of the things the writer of Hebrews teaches us to do is to focus our frame. Last night, I officially got into Olympics mode and I shall stay there for the next two weeks. Olympics mode, and uh, I'm pretty um, uh, non-prejudiced against what sport it is. 
with the exception of rhythmic gymnastics. Uh, sorry, Naomi, uh, no apologies. Uh, no, that's your favourite. Uh, but I'll be cheering for Ethiopia in the long distance running. Um, so the first sport that came on last night was rowing. Now, did anyone else watch the rowing? Rowing's a pretty one-dimensional sport when you think about it, okay? But I got into it. And one of the things you notice about the rowing coverage is it was essentially a classic two-camera shoot. Okay, if, you're in, if you know anything about broadcasting, it was essentially a two-camera shoot where they had a wide shot that they would go to, which would have multiple um, boats, they called them boats, multiple boats and rowers. And, and then, and then they, would, they would switch to a, a, a tight shot, camera two, a tight shot, wide shot, then tight shot, tight shot, you know, just the, the single rower, the guy that's in the lead or the Aussie, that's what you'd see. Um, and uh, so there was, this, there was this differentiating between a wide shot and a tight shot. Each of those two shots had a particular purpose. Now, Jordan, come up on the stage. You're my regular body double because we're similar height. Come on up, come on up. I know, you can barely tell us apart. Um, so Jordan, he could go rogue and he could get up on this stage anytime I'm preaching, right? And it would have the potential to be a distraction. It would be potentially distracting for me, be potentially distracting for you. And because he's bigger than me, um, potentially he might not leave just because I asked him nicely. Um, but, 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 but you know what? You and I can still pay close attention to what I'm saying and I can pay close attention to what I'm saying simply by focusing on the tight shot, simply by focusing our frame, simply by not going to the wide shot. And actually you have the ability, believe it or not, squirrel, of actually focusing your frame and, and forgetting that Jordan is even there. Thanks, Jordan. Object lesson finished. The writer of Hebrews gave us some clear instruction of which camera angle we can choose to look into and what should be in that camera angle, the tight shot, when we do, and how that can affect how we live out the promises of God. In fact, this is what the writer said. The tight shot goes like this. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto, that's a King James thing, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. See, the devil wants us to focus on the problem. The devil wants us to, to, to live with the wide shot, all of the challenges, looking at them all the time and being overwhelmed by them. Where do you start picking them off? The writer of Hebrews says, no, don't, don't go the wide frame shot, go the tight frame shot and make sure that you focus the frame on Jesus and follow Him and look at Him and listen to Him. Frame your world by what He says and what He's done and not by the challenges and the storms and the problems because you can't control them. They might still stay in your wide frame for a season. But if we focus our frame on the tight shot, which has Jesus right at the centre, we can continue to endure the race. He also teaches us to adjust our frame of reference. Now, talking about functional fitness, at the moment, I strength train a couple of times a week. I do triathlon as my sport. And so I do 
gym work, strength training with the explicit goal of what I do in the gym to help me go faster or be less injured in, in the realm of triathlon. And so right now I'm upping my squats game. Uh, I've set myself some goals of getting stronger with my squats. It's not so that these genes will explode and I'll be looking like Mark Ruffalo. He's the incredible Hulk actor, don't worry. Um, <laughs> man, so disappointing. Um, it, it's, it's because, and Super Steve will tell you, proprietor of Foothill Cycles, official bike sponsor and supplier to Elevate Church, that squats produce watts. Yeah. It's all about the power, P-O-W-A-H, power. And so I'm trying to up my squats game. Now, I'm not going to tell you how much I'm squatting <laughs> because <laughs> I fear your judgment. <laughs> Though before you laugh, it's probably more than most of you. But see, here's the thing. My squats uh, 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 performance in the gym, it's going up. I'm, I'm putting more plates on the bar. The bar's not yet bending. I don't have to put the collars on the end. Nothing's slipping off. Um, but I'm, I'm getting stronger. The, 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 the thing is, though, that quite uh, any, on any given day, I could walk away from my squats uh, session and the strongest guy in the gym could, could come up, giggle, and then put actual weights on the bar. <laughs> because our life is not just about what we're doing, we can actually choose to have a frame of reference that gives us some kind of point to say, is this good, is this bad? We, we can actually, if you ask someone, is your life challenging? Well, really, you could just say yes or no in a binary fashion, but actually life doesn't typically work that way. Is your life challenging? The, the, the appropriate question is, well, compared to whom? Compared to what? Compared to when? Because there's always other frames of reference that we can actually measure our life against that, that give us some, some better context. Are you rich? Well, depends on the frame of reference. Are you successful? It depends on the frame of reference. Are your challenges insurmountable? Will you ever get through this? Well, it depends on your frame of reference. And so the writer of Hebrews, one thing he does after he's defined faith in chapter 11 is he goes on to call to the witness stand this, this uh, uh, plethora of, of heavyweights, heroes of the faith, people who've gone before us and have endured things even greater than we've been, we, we may be enduring, more challenges than we may even, even be, be experiencing. And, and He calls them to the witness stand and He says to us, hey, with your challenges, with the things that you're struggling with, don't forget about this guy. Don't forget about this girl. Remember their story and, and, and how God brought them through. And let that be an encouragement to you. In fact, he said it this way when he'd gone through the list. Therefore, <clears throat> we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that's set before us. Let us take Moses and, and, and Abraham. And two weeks ago, we, we, we even gave Samson a good rap. 
Let them be an inspiration to you to keep going because they kept going. And if they can keep going, powered by the same God, the same power that you have access to, using His Word to frame their world, then you can do it as well. And you don't have to quit. You don't have to get up and give up. And you, by bringing them into the wide shot, can keep going. Well, then He, he, he tells us to replay our frame. Now, I'm incredibly future-focused. I don't spend much time thinking about the past. I spend most of my time thinking about the future because after all, that's where I'm going to live. And uh, however, there is one time, there's a few, but one of the times where it would be not just appropriate but advantageous to, to, to look in the past, to, to rewind and replay your frame, is, is in God's victories in your past. to remember how God brought you through something previously and understand that the same power from the same faithful God can be applied to this situation. And He brought you through that situation. He can bring you through this situation to, to replay the frame. Um, a few months ago, uh, we, we here, uh, we experienced a cash crunch. Um, it was nearing the end of the financial year and, uh, and, a, and, a, and a bunch of bills, bills came in uh, at the same time. Um, and uh, we didn't have, uh, at the time, we didn't have the cash flow uh, to pay all of the bills. Uh, bills and, and then we have wages and, and we, we didn't have the money to pay all of them. And so... Um, so I said to the team who, who uh, handled the, the payments, I said to the team, look, um, don't pay me this, we pay fortnightly, don't pay me this fortnight. Pay, pay the bills, pay the other team members and, and I'll just uh, wait. Um, and then uh, two weeks later, we hadn't quite gotten out of, out of the woods on that one. So I said to the team again, guys, pay the bills, pay the other wages and I'll... And I'll uh, I'll wait again. And uh, Baden uh, Johnson, who's um, both a good friend and our treasurer and a board member, and in both those roles, friend and, and board member, his responsibility is to make sure that I'm doing well. And so he got with me and said, uh, Mark, I'm not comfortable with you not getting paid. And I, I said, well, look, I'm going to get paid. I just, it's like, you know, it's deferring the payment, like forced savings. Uh, but I said, to him, I, said, I said this to him. I said, it's not a problem. I, I'm not doing it heroically. Leaders eat last. That, that's a principle that I, I believe in. Um, don't worry about it. Uh, uh, my first two years of full-time ministry, I didn't get paid a cent. We, Louie and I lived without, for the first two years of full-time church ministry, we, didn't, we weren't paid. We lived literally by faith, not by paycheck, by faith. So the same God that got us through two years, and I gained 10 kilos, figure that one out. Uh, <laughs> he's, if He can get us through two years, He can get us through one month. Uh, and don't forget, 
Biden. I wasn't talking Biden down. He was, he was concerned. I said, it's cool, it's no problem, man. Don't forget, I got fired a few years ago and I was 13 months without a job and, and full-time wage. And, 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 and whilst I didn't put on weight, <laughs> I, we got through that. And so the same God who was faithful for two years and the same God who was faithful for 13 months, he's gonna be easily faithful for this month. It's not a problem. I, I replayed the frame before I made that decision. It's, 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 I'm not, my paycheck is not my source. God is my source and He's proven Himself faithful time and time again. Now, you'll be happy to know that um, I didn't have to sell my body for love during that month. Um, I... <laughs> and, <laughs> and we've caught up, so we're caught up. But, but, but if I didn't replay the frame, I could have panicked. You get it. And then final thing is to frame your future. See, one of the problems is that people, by replaying their frame, they get stuck looking at the past. And over time, we tend to actually gravitate to what didn't happen, what God didn't do, what things didn't work out, what people said that were less than God's best, what we failed at ourselves, and, and we, when we replay that frame, and actually, no, we've got to actually start framing our future. You, you see, fear and faith are both fueled by anticipation. Did you hear that? Fear and faith are both fueled by anticipation. Same fuel, but it depends on what you're anticipating. Whether you're anticipating something going south, you'll wind up fearful. Or whether you're anticipating God doing something phenomenal in your future. Because fear is about stuff that hasn't happened yet, and actually so is faith. The psalmist, and Paul himself echoed this later on, the psalmist, he wrote this, uh, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. He wrote that at the beginning of the day. This is the day the Lord has made because it's going so well I'll rejoice and be glad in it. No, no, that's what, not what he said. It wasn't, it wasn't about how well his day's been going. It's a declaration of, I will rejoice and be glad in it ahead of time. It's a choice. What are you glad about? Someone said to him, I don't know. It's only just getting started, but I'm choosing to be glad because this is the day the Lord has made. Some, of, some people I know, their day sucks before it's even started because they're framing it by words of discouragement, framing it by words of pessimism, framing it by words of fear. Whereas we can choose to frame our future by words of faith. If you take this into your workplace this week, tomorrow, for those of you that work weekdays, it will potentially change the game. In fact, it will cause some of your co-workers to think you're a little bit 
Because if you choose tomorrow to frame your day with God's best, with God's future, with God's promises, this is the day the Lord has made. I will be glad and rejoice in it. And they say to you about morning tea time, man, what's happened to you? Did you get a promotion? And you go, nah, mate, didn't get a promotion, just got a better perspective. Weirdo. If you choose this week to tell your boyfriends, which is a word that men don't say to other men, except in certain settings, don't go there, or your girlfriends, somehow you can say that, uh, if you choose to tell your friends the great things that your spouse is doing, instead of running your spouse into the ground, it'll frame your future, it'll change the game. And your friends will say to you, what happened to you? To get a new husband? He's saying, no, same husband. Just put him in a better frame. It's a game changer. If you frame your future, we get to frame our world with the same raw material that God used to frame the world. The last thing I'll I'll, I'll quickly touch on I was at a, a, a senior church leaders workshop for two days this week, and one of the questions in this roundtable they asked is, "How long? How long do you pe- do you guys preach for? Like, what's the sort of norm these days?" And I and I before I answered them, I said, "Is the question how long do we schedule, or how long do we actually preach for?" I said, "We schedule 25 to 30, with an occasional blowout." Today will not be a blowout. Stop looking at your watch. Everything's under control. But I want to finish with this. The writer of Hebrews says something remarkable. Let me put the, let's put the last slide up there, please, Zogba. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to, <laughs> I couldn't say that word twice in one day, Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, this is the bit I want, this, this, just hover over this next bit of the word with me. Who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. The joy <laughs> that was said, he was about to get nailed to a cross, killed, capital punishment, agonizing death. And, and, and the writer says that, that, he, that Jesus focused on the joy that was set before him. It doesn't make any sense. But the joy wasn't, wasn't actually the experience he was about to go through. That was actually tormenting. And, and, and you can read accounts about how tormenting even Jesus found the prospect of that. The joy is you and me now having the ability to have a relationship with God. Because Jesus was focused on that, he was able to endure the cross. 
Even on your crappiest day, do not forget, or if you forget, refocus your frame to remember that you are the reason that Jesus went to the cross. You were worth that much. You were worth that much to Him. You were worth Him going through what He went through. When people speak words into your, into your world, don't frame your world on those words. If they're negative, if there's something less than God's best, you can frame your world and I am bought by the blood of Jesus. Some of you, and we're gonna give you an opportunity right now, some of you have not yet responded to that relationship that Jesus made possible. And real quickly, as we finish, I wanna give you that opportunity right now. And what I want you to do for those of you that haven't yet responded to, to Jesus and, and, and started a relationship with Him, I want you to put your hand up in, in a moment. And when you put your hand up, you're just saying, yeah, that's me today, I wanna follow Jesus. And when I see your hand, you can put it down and then we'll just pray real quickly. We don't want you to miss this opportunity. I hope this is breaking news to you, that you're the joy that Jesus suffered the cross for because He wanted you to have a relationship with His Father. So if you've not yet made that decision and taken that step to have a relationship with God made possible by Jesus, just put your hand up now and when I see your hand, you can put it down. Awesome. Who else? Awesome. Let's pray. I'm going to say a sentence. This is uh, like paint by numbers, pray by Mark. Uh, I'm going to say a sentence and I want you to all, especially the person that put their hand up, I want you to all say this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, today I decide to put my faith in You, to follow You. I thank You today for a brand new start, for wiping my sins clean. I declare that right now I'm a new creation. Guys, it's not a funeral home. Passion is optional, choose, choose passion, okay? May we continue with renewed passion and fervour. Somebody's just crossed from death to life right here, okay? Yeah, right? Yeah, not the other way around. So I decide from this day forward to follow you. I thank you for your promises. I thank you for the potential that you've placed in me. I decide to live by your power, not by my strength, by your Word, not by things that have been said about me in my past. That was a good one. Let's give it up for this person that made this decision right here, right now.